Of Can You Dig It? A podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com, hosted by yours truly, Christian Rivas, and Jacob Brood. Jacob, it has been too long since basketball games have been played. I don't know how we've been doing a show every week. But here we are. Another, another, another week, another show, and as you like to say, another day in paradise. Yeah, and this paradise is feeling like it's a lot closer to basketball than ever the last week or so. Um, Everything that's come out has been pretty positive. For quite a while, I was pretty pessimistic that we were going to have a season, or if we did, it would be like July, August, September, somewhere around there before it came back. I mean, it still seems like it'll be July, but it'll be at the beginning of July, and it sure seems like they're they're moving along, um, and this is actually going to be a thing. Yeah, none of the none of the big three, as I like to call them, uh, Woe Shams or uh, Chris Haynes, have reported on a set return date for the NBA. But today, a few different credible like sources, uh, people on Twitter that have gotten some things right sometimes um, tweeted out that the NBA will most likely return on in, in July, which is awesome. Um, and I think even Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> tweeted something. I don't know I don't what know. to do with Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> right now. I don't know if the source that they spoke to, the people that did report today was Spencer Dinwiddie. And if that's the case, I'm skeptical. Um, but Spencer Dinwiddie even said today that I believe he said, uh, July 15th is the date to, to watch out for training camp will start, uh, around June, late June, which is about the timeline. I think everybody was expecting the thing that caught my eye (laughs) is, uh, like summer league. If they have one being in October, which is just to rename it. It's fall league now. (laughs) Yeah, like it, that's really funny. I, you know what's funny is uh, this was his, supposed to be the year we got you out back to Vegas to to watch summer league, and now I, I'm guessing flights to Orlando if they decide to do it oh, there buddy. again. Is that cheaper? Is that more expensive? Well, I have well one I have no idea. I would imagine let well see I don't know. I was going <laughs> to say I imagine less people want to go to Orlando but obviously Disney World and whatnot. Um I have no idea. I I haven't even thought I hadn't even thought about the fact that summer league is going to be in like October and November somewhere around there now. Um They're going to have to rename it. There's Yeah, I guess they probably would they still have that in Las Vegas, you think? Like, it's no. still kind of a bubble. Well, okay. Yes, but if school's going to be in session, which I don't think it will be, but it is Nevada, so I don't know. If UNLV is oh, duh. faster Didn't in session, think of that. Yeah, then, then they're just not going to be able to. Which is really, yeah. what a strange time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they may just, I could very easily see them just doing literally everything in Orlando through the rest of this, like, NBA calendar year um just making orlando kind of their hub and then going back to quote-unquote normal um at least in terms of locations but yeah i hadn't even thought of that summer league is gonna have to entirely change i guess they they normally had it in orlando but like the gyms they have it in also like can't seat people so like maybe they have it orlando but in different Places? I don't know. That's going to be interesting. That's something I hadn't even thought of. And this is LaMelo Ball Summer League. If, yeah, it's going to be in a, it's going to be a popular one. Yeah, because Summer League when Lonzo Ball was drafted was basically Lonzo League. That was insane. Yeah. 
I was at that. I w- we had to go. I don't remember when the doors opened. Um, at what time? I want to say maybe 10 a.m. Uh, the doors opened and it was like 117 degrees or something. Just stupid. There was a huge line of people. Um, everybody's waiting in line. Like people were literally passing out, waiting in line. For all because Lonzo was there. So, yeah, that's another thing. Like, LaMelo is going to be there. Like, I don't know how popular it will be now because it's a lot easier to go to Vegas in July than it is Orlando in October. Yeah. Um, I'm sure this is way down the – way on the back burner for the NBA. But, I mean, that's not – that's something I hadn't even considered that they – and they legitimately may just not have fans. They still may be doing that by the time summer league comes around as well. So, which is, I mean, that's relatively speaking a small loss, but I mean, it's still a loss because they sold out. Um, I'm blanking on the name of UNLV's uh, stadium, but they sold that out um, for Lonzo's games. So, um, that's another like little bit of lost revenue, but still. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that as well. I, I just feel like everything's going to be in Orlando for uh, <laughs> through the end of this year, and then like 2020, 2021, they'll reassess. But, I mean, I guess this is also probably just going to be the new calendar for the season, um, which will be odd as well because then that means Summer League is always going to be in the fall, which just feels really odd. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, it's not. It's something I hadn't thought of. It, I've been for the league changing the calendar around, but I just, it, it made sense and everything else. It cut the summer league's probably the one thing that it doesn't make sense for because right now, just having it. I mean, literally in the summer, makes it easy for everyone to get there. Um, and th- it's always a fun time going there, especially because it was in Vegas. Um, meet up with friends and whatnot and go hang out and watch basketball and stuff. So that'll be a bit of a bummer if it, if that changes to uh, to the fall in Orlando as well. I mean, hopefully we have something to be bummed about and we're not still in here. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, relatively speaking, it's not a bummer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It, this is so weird. Talking about basketball is is very weird. But like you said, it does sound like the league will be back for sure eventually. I think there's still a handful of hurdles they have to clear. Um, I think Jared Dudley took all of the air out of any excitement anybody (laughs) had for the league returning when he said, well, you see, the bubble isn't isn't exactly a bubble. People are going to be able to leave, which isn't a bubble at all. I don't know if you've ever tried to go through a bubble. It pops. It yeah, (laughs) it's not how it works. I read his quote, and I'm like, does Jared Dudley know what a bubble is? (laughs) Like, I don't think we're talking about the same type of shape. When I heard Bubble City, my mind immediately went to the dome from the Simpsons movie. And I thought, like, of course it's not practical. (laughs) But that's just what my mind went to is, like, nobody gets in, nobody gets out. Unless. Which is how bubbles tend to work. Yeah. (laughs) So. I mean, we'll see how that plays out. I could see several scenarios where that just doesn't work out if they they aren't cautious. But, I mean, from everything we've heard, they're trying to be as smart about this as possible. Keyword trying, uh, just the same way we try to do a podcast. <laughs> and uh, also, like, his quote, I think he singled out, like, LeBron and AD as guys who would, like, be able to leave, like, I don't think either of the I don't I guess I don't really know about AD, but I don't see LeBron as just like waltzing in and out of this bubble. He's such a like popular figure that everybody's gonna see him if he leaves this bubble city. Everybody's gonna see him leave, and then he's gonna take a lot of flack. And like I just nothing about that quote or those quotes he gave made much sense to me. I like Jared Dudley, but that that whole time I'm just like. This doesn't make sense. Like, it's not a bubble. I don't think LeBron would leave. Like, what is going on? Well, we do know LeBron's at least a little bit. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I'd say a, that. <laughs> maybe he of, would. Of a rebel because um, 
so on on Thursday, the day we record, Shams Charania of The Athletic put out a report saying, quote, it's been different for every team, it being um, like how teams have dealt with the quarantine. Uh, he says, quote, for example, LeBron James has held private workouts with one to two teammates at a time at a closed up private location on court, I'm told, which I absolutely love when Sham says I'm told without specifying who it was told from. It could have been like his nephew. It's like I heard this rumor <laughs> and he's like, well, <laughs> you did tell me. So if I if I say that without any context, I, nobody's going to come for me except me. Um, continuing the quote, uh, he says, all the safety measures have been taken. I'm told everyone involved has been tested. Everyone involved has practiced social distancing. Everyone involved has taken the necessary steps to make sure they're following all of the guidelines. End quote. Sounds great. I just don't know why in God's name LeBron James would go to an alternate facility if he's not getting contact work in with his teammates. It all just seems odd. Like, why did it come out? Why would I don't know why LeBron would do it? Like you said, like there's no benefit of him staying six feet apart from whichever teammates were there and like shooting in a gym together. Like it's not like they were playing three on three or something like it wasn't like they're scrimmaging or doing any drills like that. Like if they say all of the social distancing and whatnot, all those practices have uh have been involved. Um yeah, I don't know why he needed teammates there. Like <laughs> I guess I could understand if it was like a personal gym and he was saying like, Hey, you guys can come here and work out. Maybe that's what they meant. But it does. I mean, that quote certainly doesn't seem like that was the case. Um, so yeah, I don't know why it, I mean, that was the biggest thing when I read it and I was just like, who let this get out? Because <laughs> clutch is usually pretty good about how, like what messages come out and how they're perceived and whatnot. So I don't know who let that get out or why, but yeah, that was an odd one. Like, I don't know why they would do it. It just seemed like a very unnecessary risk. I was the most confused because as of last month, the NBA sent out a memo to teams saying your players can't work out of facilities that aren't yours. Which, yeah. Again, I understand facilities have opened since. Uh, I, I just don't know that gyms have and – Secondly, if they have, is the NBA allowing players to work out without the supervision of a training staff or somebody there to make sure they're following all the safety guidelines? I don't know. I thought that was weird. Uh, I still wouldn't bank on LeBron leaving the bubble, though, because the reason I'm so excited for the season return is because I think LeBron James, this may be really stupid and a result of recency bias, but I have a really hard time believing LeBron James watched The Last Dance and was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be okay if I didn't win one this season. I, I could always come back next year. I think that documentary is absolutely going to push that guy to do everything he can to win a championship this year. I hadn't thought of that. I love that idea. I'm yeah, I Now that you say it, I'm 100% for it. Like... <laughs> I'm very happy that they rushed the documentary. I get, I mean, they they moved up the the time that it was going to show, but um, yeah, I'm very happy now that they did that because yeah, that was um, everything about that from Michael Jordan's standpoint was very strategically timed. Um, he like okayed the documentary reportedly during the Cavs parade and. I mean, obviously they couldn't have foreseen the situation it came out with, but like having it come out when literally everybody is at home, like the ratings that I didn't see for the last couple of episodes, but the ratings the show was doing was like just massive compared to other documentaries, compared to sporting events, it was massive. Um, everybody was tuning into it every night or every Sunday. Um, and yeah, it. <laughs> It painted Jordan in a really good light, um, which isn't shocking, considering <laughs> he was involved with it. It wasn't going to do anything else. But, 
it painted Jordan in a really good light. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that. There's going to be a lot of fuel for LeBron to come out and, uh, however many regular season games and playoff games are going to be, uh, a, a chance for him to reestablish the argument that he too, uh, could be the goat as well. What, what I think what would have set LeBron off other than the fact that, Justin Timberlake was in the documentary and he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that was really Timberlake was only in it for like that one brief Air Jordan part, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought that was weird. I, you know, uh, as an aside, he did uh, an interview with Uninterrupted right after that. And some of the quotes he had about Michael Jordan were just so endearing. Like, I know people rightfully so uh, made a, a lot of. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's relationship and how much Kobe Bryant idolized Michael Jordan. LeBron James idolized Michael Jordan just as much. It's just for some reason that relationship was just never there, whether it was just a product of, you know, Kobe and Michael playing together, which is why they had that relationship or Michael just looking at LeBron as the next guy and saying, yeah, I don't want any part of that. (laughs) It's, it's very strange, but on top of that, I I think the only thing that would have set LeBron off more is if they asked him who in today's NBA reminds you of yourself the most and his answer being <laughs> Kawhi Leonard because of his record in the finals. I think oh, LeBron, LeBron would have come back with a full-on beard and looked like an absolute – like I, I watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I rewatched it this past weekend. He would have come back looking like uh, Boomy. Uh, Ang's friend, it's he would have. My point is, he would have come back like a madman, and I I would have put all of my money, all the money I had saved on on the Lakers winning it all. He would 100% enter what he called zero dark thirty, uh, <laughs> yeah. when he just went quiet on social media. I don't remember what season it was. Um, I think it's been every season for the past like four seasons. That might be the case. Yeah. So. Uh, well, he wasn't silent during the playoffs last year. Um, <laughs> but before that, yeah, that I, I never paid that much attention. So maybe it's just a yearly thing. A hundred percent, regardless, it would have happened this year. Zero dark 30. Um, there would have, I mean, there definitely still will be, I think some quips and whatnot. Um, he'll throw some little jabs out there because yeah, I mean, everybody is looking at, after that documentary is like, yeah, MJ is definitely the goat now when like, uh, I'm trying to think it's been about two months since the season's ended a little, a little bit more than that. After those Clippers and Bucks games, I think you would have gotten a vastly different answer about yeah. who was the goat because LeBron, I mean, we don't obviously don't have to explain it too much, but LeBron at his age doing what he was doing, looking like he was going to make another potential run at an MVP. It's wild how much the narrative will change in two and a half months. And I'm sure LeBron will point that out as well. I God, I hope it changes back in one direction in, in roughly two months. What month? Oh, my God. We're only in May, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot more. Than, two months a season will start. It's going to be a lot more than that. Um, the problem is, even if LeBron wins this title... And this is probably going to be the case with every team instantly going to be an asterisk on this title, Um, which to like a certain degree, I can understand. Like, obviously, the season having a pause in the middle really throws everything off. Um, It's definitely going to be a different title. But, yeah, regard the minute if LeBron wins it, the first thing everybody's going to say is. Well, this one doesn't actually count as a ring because of all the situation going on with it. And that's going to be the argument no matter who wins. But, yeah, that'll be the first thing I think uh, people will run to if he does win it. Incredibly lame. The thing I'm most interested in seeing, and I hope to God it doesn't happen, but how funny would it be if the team with the youngest legs just made it to the finals? Like, the Grizzlies and just say the Orlando magic. (laughs) That would be something else. Or I don't see, I don't know how many regular season games they are planning on because 
if the Pelicans make it in the playoffs, they're going to be a problem. Like absolutely. Um, but the problem is they're. Gosh, I don't even know how many games back they are. I think four games, three and a half, four games back. A bunch of teams are. Um, but yeah. I mean, there's going to be a certain kind of advantage to those younger teams because they're always ready to go, uh, whereas the veteran teams are going to kind of have to ramp things up again. Um, I don't think it'll be enough of an advantage for like a 1-8 upset. I certainly hope not, since we'll probably be the one seed. Um, I don't think it'll be enough for that, but they're going to be a little more friskier probably than normal because uh, because of that. We're going to talk about the season ahead that will definitely be back soon, hopefully. Um, and we're, <laughs> we're going to try to rank the most important players on the roster in descending order, 15 to 1. Who is most likely, uh, I guess, to help the Lakers win a playoff series. So uh, that'll that'll be us when we come back. Well, as we noted at the top of the show, the NBA is looking to make a comeback, and it looks like it will, uh, given all of the restrictions that have been lifted in states and teams being allowed to practice again. The venue for the season returns seemingly being put in place in Orlando at Walt Disney World's. um, I think it's called the Worldwide Sports Complex, something like that. You could have told me anything, and I would have believed it. (laughs) Uh, Either way... Games will be played again, and when they do, the Lakers will be hoping to compete for a championship. They look like they were on the track to to do so before the season was suspended, beating uh, the Bucks and Clippers in back-to-back games, um, going into the suspension with a 49-14 and record, which is just second to the Milwaukee Bucks for the best record in the NBA. 5.5 games ahead of the LA Clippers in the Western Conference and seven games ahead of the number three seed Denver Nuggets. Pretty good, I'd say, Jacob. It's such a shame, man, that uh, I mean, I know this has been talked about a lot. The Lakers are peaking at the perfect time. They were going to make a run at Milwaukee and that top seed. And man, I'm, I'm going to obviously be glad basketball's back, but that's always going to be a big. What if, uh, regard? I mean, unless this season ends in a title. Other than that, it's going to be a huge what if. Is what if the season never came to a halt? Because it sure seemed like the Lakers were shifting it up one more gear that the rest of the league didn't have. Yeah, when I I, I rewatched that Milwaukee game the other day, I think that Clippers game felt like a bigger win. But watching what LeBron James did to the Bucks and particularly Giannis uh, in that fourth quarter of that game in rewatching it like two days ago, I was just like, Jesus Christ, how old is this guy? And is this the best Giannis can give him? Cause if it is, I think it'll be a seven game series, but I think the Lakers looking the way they did that night uh, probably have a good chance. Granted the Bucks didn't have George Hill and George Hill murdered the Lakers the first time around. He's uh, shooting like 60% from three or something yeah. outrageous. Really, really good. Um, and I think somebody somebody was talking about this on Twitter um, this week about how teams that are relying on three-point shooting are probably going to suffer the most because players need to get their legs back under them in the rhythm, uh, which in that case, the Lakers are in luck because they, <laughs> they have like some three-point shooters, uh, but they definitely aren't as reliant on it as – a team like the Milwaukee Bucks or Houston Rockets. Um, so I guess you can look that at that as a as a plus side, but um, we can get into that another time. We do have a list of players to get into, starting at number 15. Jacob, I'll let you kick things off. Um, I don't want to say who do you think is the least valuable player going into the final stretch of the season, uh, but who do you have at your number 15 spot? I think... I mean, 15 and 14 are basically however you want them to be. I put THT at 15. Right. Uh, I I mean, I don't know that he's played this season. I don't probably he's, he's played two games, um, a total of five minutes. Yeah, yeah that's he, why. He's, yeah, he really he's, not, he's not going to be a factor. Um, 
He's basically a third two-way guy. I also put Taylor Horton Tucker. I think actually no. I was gonna try to make a case for it. Play devil's advocate. I was gonna say, I think if Dion Waiters wasn't on the roster, I'd put him a little higher because injuries do happen and in an emergency scenario, he could play some point guard. I don't wanna see that scenario, but it in theory it was possible. But yeah, I mean you look at the depth they have. Um with the combo guards on the roster, um, Dion Waiters is definitely getting those third string, um, if not fourth string, back of point guard minutes. Uh, so, yeah, 10 Horton Tucker, no disrespect, but you are um, ranked number 15. At 14, um, I'm going to sound like a hater saying this, <laughs> so forgive me. Um, but I have Rajon Rondo at, at number 14 for for players and their value. So here's the thing. We interpreted this differently. Yes. Because I have Rondo much, much higher. I, my logic is that um, Vogel's not going to not play him. Like, he's going to be on the court. So him playing well is very important to the team. I have Rondo at seventh, just based on that logic. Like, <laughs> spoiler because, alert. <laughs> yeah, like I just wanted to. It's not even close. I had him much higher, but I mean, I like I, I like I said, we use a little bit of different rationale because. Well, no, that is completely fair, and I, I approach this with a, a similar rationale. I just do not think that the minutes Rondo's going to get are going to matter as much as the other guys on the roster, just because I think he's a bad player. And when I said I'm going to sound like a hater, it's because I am a hater. I really don't like watching Rondo play basketball. And I think that's only been magnified by the fact that Paul Pierce has been insufferable this past week. And I'm just like, oh, man, I really don't like that 2008 through 2010 Celtics team. And it's unfortunate that Rondo was on that team. Yeah, I... Didn't think I could hate Rondo anymore after watching him win the title <laughs> against us as a Celtic, but boy, there have been times this year where I have certainly disliked him more. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I it's been it's one of those things where I re- obviously really wish that they wouldn't play him. Uh, that's not going to be the case, save for Dion Waiters just being incredible, which is less likely, so <laughs> I put him much higher on the list because it's really important that he play well because he's going to be on the court whether he plays well or not. That is a fair point. I probably should have put him higher, but again, I have no regrets. Uh, who did you have at 14? I had Jared Dudley. That's probably fair, especially because Markeith Morris is on the roster now. Uh, at 13, I had Quinn Cook. Similar to your reasons, uh for having Rondo so high, I just don't think he's going to play much. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the spot minutes, he does play. From what we've seen this season, he's just not the guy that is going to catch fire in a hurry like he did just last year in the finals. Um, so for that reason, I have him at 13. That's who I had as well. Um, I've been a little almost disappointed because I thought he was a really good signing when they brought him in. Uh, maybe it was just recency bias because watching him shoot really well in the finals um but yeah i mean he hasn't he's shooting 38 percent from three he probably needs to shoot closer to 40 percent to get more minutes because he's such a such a negative defensively and he's really a one-dimensional offensive player um but yeah i with so many other guards on the roster I don't see him really playing. So, yeah, I had him at 13 as well. At 12, I had Jared Dudley just because I can't justify putting him any higher than that. And that's literally (laughs) my only reason. Yeah. Uh, 11 and 12 for me were kind of interchangeable because I have Dwight and JaVale. Um, Both of them have played well, so it's a little weird to put them this low. But especially with Keefe, on the roster now, the Lakers have so many options at the five um, that it's not all that important that they play well. Them playing well is a huge bonus, but like if one or two of them are having an off night, there's enough other guys that can step in. So I had JaVale 12th and 
uh, Dwight 11th. I had JaVale 12th, uh, and then I had Dion Waiters 11th, just because I'm not confident Dion Waiters is going to be great. Um, and even if he is, I don't know if the minutes will be there for him to do what he needs to do. Um, so I had him pretty low. I can see a scenario where Dion Waiters is valuable because they really need that ball handler in the second unit. Yep. And Rondo just isn't that, uh, in terms of like shot creation. So I, I can see his value theoretically, practically with the guard rotation and with some guys I have higher up on the list. Um, I have waiters uh, a little lower than is probably like logical to do so. <laughs> I full disclosure kind of forgot Dion waiters was on the team until we started <laughs> doing this um, because he obviously never played. I don't, was he even on the bench for either of those? Yeah. Any of he those just games was not active. It's funny because before literally the day before the season was suspended, the South Bay Lakers announced oh, that yeah. he was going to be suiting up for them and playing a game. Dion Waiters was going to shoot like 80 times mm-hmm. in the G League, and the coronavirus robbed us of that moment. So obviously for that reason and like many more, I strongly dislike <laughs> the coronavirus. That's the official stance of Can You Dig It? Coronavirus, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I second uh, that. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, he has not played. Uh, it look, I mean, if, if you want to take him for his word, he's lost weight during the quarantine is taking extra good care of his body, um, took accountability for whatever shenanigans he got in at the beginning of the season and is relatively healthy. If all those things are true, he should be all right. Um, but again, we haven't seen anything. And from what we have seen this season, last season, um, it would it would be surprising a little bit to see Dion waiters come in and make an impact. I had, I mean, you kind of mentioned the little bit of an argument for moving him higher. I had him eighth um, because if he does play well, it unlocks a lot of things for the Lakers. And I mean, in theory, if he can be that second string ball handler, that's less minutes for Rondo, which I mean, we've been trying to figure out ways to get Rondo less minutes since the preseason. Um, So I had him a little bit higher. I really don't know what to expect with him. Um, Like, I literally could see any situation, any scenario playing out because he was already a bit of a wild card, even when the season was going in full swing. And pretty much everything is much more of a wild card now. So... I had him higher just because um, kind of the ceiling of what he could be makes this changes this team a lot. But I mean, I really don't know what to expect from him this year. At 10, I had Markeith Morris um, because I think, again, you look at depth on this roster, I think the guard spot and the four spot specifically stand out as as two areas of depth. I think he was a good pickup. Um, he, un- unless I'm misremembering or the numbers say differently, uh, he has been exactly what I thought he'd be on the defensive end. I think he's looked a little better at center because he doesn't have to defend in space. But um, play some small ball center, space the floor, hit three-point shots at an efficient clip. I think he can open things up against uh, the likes of the Milwaukee Bucks or uh, specifically the Houston Rockets. I think that's um, a series that will likely be played uh, and that he could be big in. I had him 10 as well. Um, I had him over Dwight and JaVale because he brings a, a different dynamic that I think is more important to the Lakers than what Dwight and JaVale do, um, mainly because... I mean, nominally speaking, I guess Keith was a center, but him playing next to AD opens things up a lot more for everyone. Um, so, like you said, he he had only played in eight games. Um, he was impressive in those eight games, um, especially like you, I was. 
I don't know that. Let me look real quick. I don't remember him shooting the ball all that well. Um, 28% from three, but he did some things defensively that kind of surprised me. Maybe that was more of my expectations being so low. Um, but yeah, if he's able to provide the Lakers with that spacing, with that um, three-point shooting, um, it changes a lot of things. He's actually, in his eight games, he has a 101.5 defensive rating. Only Caruso and uh, technically Quinn Cook have better defensive <laughs> ratings, which yeah. one of those is a surprise. But, yeah, um, now obviously small sample size and whatnot. But, yeah, he's been good defensively, and if that can hold, I very easily could see him closing games for the Lakers in the playoffs, and that'll be really important. Yeah, having a stretch four is is nice. I think ideally Kyle Kuzma would have been that. We'll talk about him a little later or uh, soon. So um, depending on where you have him, I meant. Uh, God, where are we at? Number nine? Nine. Yeah. Uh, I have Dwight Howard, and I understand this is a little high to have a center, but my logic is the type of coach that I've gathered Frank Vogel is, he's going to lean on guys that he trusts quite a bit. And I think with the way Dwight's played this season with how mature he's been and the way his body has responded to playing like a 20, 20, or I think he's averaging 19.2 minutes per game this season. Um, in that role, I think w- with everything he showed, Vogel might be more willing to play him those heavy minutes over somebody like, JaVale, who for as good as JaVale has been at times this season, uh, Dwight Howard would be the starting center, in my opinion, on this team if JaVale McGee was more capable of defend or anchoring the second unit's defense. So my my play here, the reason I have him so high is because I think Dwight Howard, as you know, <laughs> was once a very good player. Um and as a higher ceiling to have a big game or uh, come up with big defensive plays down the stretch in a playoff game. So that's why I have him high. There's definitely an experience factor that will probably come into play, although JaVale also has a fair amount of playoff experience. But, um, yeah, I have Dwight. I had Dwight up above JaVale because, I mean, I think Dwight's played better than JaVale pretty much all season. Um though I do like him coming off the bench with those second units more. He's closed a fair amount of games this year. Um, I've been, I was, I've been really surprised at the athleticism he's shown this year. Um, I thought he was pretty much physically dead and gone, to be honest, especially with all the back injuries he's had, the injury that kept him out for, essentially a whole season. Um, He obviously looks nothing like old Dwight, but he's had a fair amount of explosive plays, either dunking or blocking the protecting the rim, stuff like that. Um, He's a little less, I don't know of a a, a nice way to say this, a little less erratic, I guess, than JaVale, a little more dependable. Um, So yeah, I would definitely have him as one of the more, important big men um this left this or for the rest of the season because um he's gonna play a lot he's gonna play in a lot of big moments and i mean him and ad on the court together have been just swarming defensively yeah i again i i'm not counting on him playing big minutes because I don't think there are a lot of teams you can play Dwight heavy minutes at center um, just because of the way the league has evolved. But you look at a potential playoff series against OKC or if the Lakers can find a way to use their size against the Houston Rockets as opposed to playing small ball to small ball, then great. And I, I think that's a scenario where Dwight comes in and, and makes a bigger impact than a lot of people expected him to make. Um, at number eight, I have the goat, Alex Caruso. Um, <laughs> so we are at eight, right? Yes. I'm not crazy. Okay. Yeah. I have, uh, I have Alex Caruso at eight. 
I had so basically I had just the run of all the guards. Um, I had Avery Bradley at nine, and I had Crusoe at six. But I mean, pretty much every guard is virtually interchangeable. I think um, at least the way I ranked them. It's just they all bring different things to the table. Um, Avery Bradley brings probably the most, aside from Rondo, the most experience in that backcourt. Um, and definitely the most experience for the starters in the backcourt. Um, he, again, another, I mean, I feel like there's so many people that have surprised me this year on this team. Another guy that's been surprising, he, a little bit of hot and cold from three. Uh, fortunately, he was really hot against the Clippers. Um, but his defense, he his defense has definitely dropped off quite a bit from his heyday. But um, he's still smart enough, still athletic enough to cause some problems. Um, Caruso really is a, the same in a lot of ways. Um, I think pretty much every one of these guards is going to have um, a bit of a spotlight on them because that's been the area of weakness or the biggest area of weakness probably this year is that point guard spot or the whatever the off guard, whatever you want to call it with LeBron at point. Um, it's going to be a thing like it has been all year where whoever's playing hot is probably going to close the game. There's going to be games where Bradley closes. There's going to be games when Caruso closes. I'm interested to see how Caruso handles. Um, you saw it against the Clippers where they just ignored him offensively. Yeah. Uh, um, he's going to have to figure out how to deal with that, whether it's knocking down threes or attacking that space and trying to create something out of that. Um, that's going to be, we kind of started to see that toward the end of the year, but yeah, pretty much all these guards um, are going to have a bit of a spotlight on them. I think the key with Caruso, um, and to your point about that Clippers game, I think the problem with that was they're having Caruso play as a second guard in the second unit without LeBron James. And if you're doing that, you're essentially setting him up for failure. Like, it, it's part of the reason he went undrafted is because – a defensive-minded point guard whose primary skill is being a secondary playmaker uh, is a very hard player to put on a roster. Luckily for the Lakers, LeBron James is the perfect player to play next to him. So I think that's going to be the key to maximizing Alex Russo as it's been uh, this whole season. They have like one of the best net ratings in the NBA, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I that's that's why I have Alex Russo at eight. Um, you, you said you had Rondo at seven. Yep. You already made your case for that. We'll go on a six. I have Contavious Caldwell Pope, um, because I just couldn't put him higher than uh Danny Green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had KCP fifth. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, he's been the biggest revelation. He's proved he's worth every contract the Lakers have given him. Finally, um. He's going to be huge because the Lakers haven't had many consistent three-point shooters this year. Um, he's probably been the best of them, honestly, 39.4%. Um, he's definitely been a more consistent three-point shooter than Danny Green. But I think we're going to see a lot of lineups come playoff time that have probably both those guys um, and more spacing the floor. Um, he's going to be relied upon a lot to continue spacing the floor. Um, as long as he keeps doing it, he's going to keep seeing big minutes. He's played 25 minutes a game. Um, if he can keep knocking down shots, he's going to see a lot of time, a lot of minutes come playoff time. God, I hope so. I, I, I really enjoyed the KCP experience this season. Obviously not at first, but um, he has lived up to my hopes and dreams for him of him thriving in a LeBron James offense. Uh, and I think nobody's going to pay him this summer. <laughs> He's probably opting no. to that contract, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I think whether they use him in a trade for somebody or uh, just bring him back next season, I think he'll be uh, pretty damn valuable. 
At five, I have Avery Bradley uh, because I think he, uh, before the season suspended, was another guy who was just looking like exactly the player the Lakers needed him to be. Uh, a defensive stopper, which I, I want to preface that with, there are matchups that his defensive style works in. Like, he's definitely a one-on-one defender, and I think the Lakers need that in a series against, you know, the Rockets or the Mavericks, whoever they they have to end up playing. Um, so that for that reason, I think that's good. Uh, but I'm, I'm more referring to the three-point shooting. He was knocking down three-pointers like crazy before the season was suspended. Um, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, but it really is just about him trading those long twos for three-pointers. And if he's doing that, then he is the perfect point guard to play next to LeBron James. Yeah, I don't know the exact percentage, but the last, like, half dozen games uh, or maybe dozen games of the season, like, he was shooting ridiculously well from three. A lot of that was buoyed by that Clippers game. But um, if he shoots like that, then, yeah, he's going to be really important. Yeah, he was shooting. Um, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Yeah, he, he was shooting 35.2% on 5.4 attempts per game, which isn't as high as I remember. <laughs> so maybe it was only because that was I used the last 10 games. Um used the last five games which is obviously a much smaller sample size uh he was shooting 37.5 percent on 6.4 attempts per game again um not incredible but better than what he was shooting at the start of the season uh and there were just games where he was catching fire from there so yeah if you go the last 16 games uh it's 5.5 attempts per game and he's shooting 44.3 percent that's pretty good <laughs> yeah I, I i would settle for that uh yeah it it really is just about him having at least one of those games in the season and i think um we'll touch a a bit more on this as we as we get higher up but it really is just going to be um like that third star is going to be by committee every game like it's always going to be somebody different i don't know if there's any one player on the roster that i think is going to be that number three option on a night-to-night basis uh but if there was i would bet it was it's my number four option and that is danny green not because he's especially valuable with the ball in his hands as a as a dribbler um but i do think he is the guy that the lakers want defenders to play off of when they send double teams to lebron james and anthony davis if danny green is knocking down three-point shots at a ridiculous rate like he did last season at least in the regular season with the raptors um, the Lakers are going to be a tough team to beat. I had Green third, but I mean, it's I I would think you probably have the other person. I have fourth at third as well. But regardless, yeah. um, I put him a little bit higher because he's going to be really important defensively. Obviously, he's probably on most nights going to take the best wing player um, on the opposing team, which is going to be. Really important come playoff time. Um, And then, obviously, they're going to need his three-point percentage to pick up. Everybody, (laughs) I keep kind of telling myself, everybody always talks about how well he plays in the playoffs and ignore the regular season shooting. Um, Man, I hope so, because... He's been a bit disappointing, I would say, this season. He's only shooting 37.8% from three, which, I mean, on this Lakers team is high, but that's a third best behind KCP and Quinn Cook. Um, but considering what they paid him and I guess what the expectations were, you yeah. would hope it's a little bit higher. So uh, hopefully this has been a nice time for him to reset though. I don't know how much time he's had to reset. Cause he's been on podcasts like every day <laughs> during the quarantine, but hopefully it's been a nice time for him to kind of reset. And um, hopefully we see some of those versions of him from the playoffs of years past. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jacob uh, at three. I have Kyle Kuzma yeah. and this is a bit of um, 
of a fanboy play by my part because I really want him to do well. I've made it no secret on this podcast. Uh, but aside from that, I do think Kyle Kuzma has the most potential to swing things it one way or the other for the Lakers because depending on how they use him and how many minutes they play him, who they play him with, Kyle Kuzma is a guy, and I stand by this, Kyle Kuzma is a guy that can lead that second unit and and take over games against bench units. I, I stand by that firmly, uh, and if he's not going to do that, at the very least, um, the, the hope is he'll be that wing defender on the three um, when the Lakers play big teams like the Clippers or the Bucks. At the very least, if he can do that, he's easily the third most valuable player on the roster. And he needs to hit, hit three-pointers, but I've kind of given up on that this season. <laughs> um, he's definitely capable of swinging a game uh, in the playoffs. Um I mean, at his best, he's honestly probably capable of swinging a series if he gets hot for a handful of games. Uh, I don't know that he's really gotten hot for a handful of games this season. No. Uh, Not a string of them, at least. So that might be also wishful thinking. Um, But, yeah, it's so weird with him this year because – I still think ultimately he's been valuable, but it's just been in really odd ways. I know we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Um, I still haven't given up as much hope of him shooting threes, but or while well, he'll shoot them, connecting on threes, he's shooting worse than Rajon Rondo this year. Like, and Rondo's been really – make no mistake, Rondo was okay to start the season – is very very bad. Like yeah, fell came crashing back down to earth. Yeah. So, um, man, it's just been really frustrating to watch because we've seen him at his best and the best version of him on this team would be huge. It would change the outlook of the Lakers. Um. But he just can't get it right for whatever reason. He's another guy that hopefully um, has kind of reset during this quarantine. He got rid of the Eminem hair. That's a big one. Um, if uh, if he can get back to anything close to that rookie year form, it would be absolutely massive for the Lakers in the playoffs. I I really enjoyed rookie. Who's, I don't know why the Lavar might have been right about the Lonzo effect because <laughs> the only time he looked like a budding star was was when he played with Lonzo and I guess LeBron too but I mean Lonzo and LeBron effect are are in theory the same thing. Uh, speaking of LeBron, he's one of the last two players on our countdown. Uh, you can probably guess the other one. Who did you give? the number one spot over the two and why I have LeBron number one. Um, I could be, I mean, I could see an argument for Anthony Davis. It's just to me, the way LeBron finished the, whatever we want to call the first half of the regular season, whatever we want to call that the way he was playing in, uh, the Clippers and Bucks games. I like how we've just ignored the Nets game. Like everybody is a <laughs> yeah. collective. Like that game didn't happen. Uh, the way that he played in those Bucks and Clippers games showed how valuable. Not that we needed to be reminded, but showed how valuable he can be when he's playing at his best. Um, AD played pretty well. I remember in the Clippers game. I don't specifically remember his stat line from the Bucks game. But um, I still think that when LeBron is in playoff mode, whatever you want to call it, um, there's nobody more important. There's few people in the league who are as good as he is um, when, when he's in that mode. Um, so 
I had him number one. I had AD number two. So AD in that Clippers game uh, scored 30 points and yeah. grabbed nine rebounds to go along with two blocks. Uh, in the Bucks game, he had 37 and two. I don't so, know how I forgot that. Yeah, 60 points <laughs> through two games. Uh, pretty good. But I agree. LeBron, LeBron is, is the guy. But the reason I put him number one is a little different. Um, just because I think he is... I mean, th- this might sound stupid. But to me, he is the biggest X factor because of his age. Um, I'm really interested to see how he's going, how his body's going to respond to having that time off and then having to ramp back up. Like, is it going to look similar to the playoff mode he activated last season when when he needed to ramp things up quicker than he was oh, ready to? Don't remind me of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh and and for that reason he's obviously the best player on the team. Um I don't know if there's any arguing that. But uh for that reason he's definitely like far and away my number one. Anthony Davis, I think, is going to win the Lakers a few games. He's a mm-hmm. very, very, very good player. Uh, and he's going to be playing a lot of center, hopefully. So, yeah, and I, I, I don't know what can be said about Anthony Davis that hasn't already be, been said. I think the games against the Bucks and the Clippers were the first time all season uh, I had like opened my jaw and thought, "Wow, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the same team. Who like who is going to beat them in the postseason?" Um, and that was especially true of LeBron because when LeBron took over in the fourth quarter of, of both of those games, I was just like, yeah, this is the guy that I just got so frustrated watching in the postseason just because um, at, at a certain point, LeBron just became that guy that was fun to root against because of how good he was. Uh, and I'm I'm happy that I get to root for him now. You made an interesting point with LeBron and his body because it's something that he brought up as well. Um, when I'm trying to think, was it the road trip and podcast maybe where he talked about um, basically how his body was reacting to the quarantine because that this time of year is usually when he's ramping up to the playoffs. Um, his body's not used to resting at this time although maybe it should be after last year. But um, so it'll be interesting to see how his body reacts to ramping back up. I mean, that's going to be something that pretty much every um, veteran player is going to have to deal with because this is just a supremely unique scenario. Um, But, yeah, I I think with AD, you you pretty much hit – what the point I was going to make in that those last two games, well, the Clippers and Bucks game, uh, were the first time this year where both of them played well together against a really good team. Um, I remember AD played really well against Milwaukee the first time. They both hadn't played well together, though. Um, and that, to me, was also the first time we're like, holy crap, who in the world is going to be able to stop these two when they're playing like this? Um, and even then, still, like, the thing I keep going back to is they still don't run a lot of screen and roll, which I think is going to be they've done they've done it more as the season's gone along, but I still think that's going to be um, the most deadly kind of play type that they'll use, and maybe they only use it sparingly when they really need it, kind of a break in case of emergency type of thing, and because they know how effective it is, um, they don't want teams game planning for it. But I know AD was starting to really hit threes as well um, down the stretch. And if he's able to do that and stretch the floor as a pick and pop um, guy on those ball screens, like ball game, like there's literally, it's already going to be really hard to stop a LeBron AD pick and roll. And if he's going to be able to knock down threes consistently, like it's done, like there's no way you can defend that. Oh, yeah. Cause he was another guy um, before this season was suspended that was shooting pretty darn well. Um, see if I can pull it up very quickly. I think it was his last 10 games uh, was shooting 41% from three on 4.3 attempts per game. Again, (laughs) 
pretty good. Hope that uh, sustains in the regular season. And with that, Jacob, we are done with our countdown. That took much longer than I thought it was going to take. But I'm glad we were able to talk through all of our points without, um, you know, getting in the way with the time constraints. I don't have anywhere to be. Um, I'm here all the time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't have any plans going on right now. So, and I assume most people listening to this probably don't either. So thank you for listening. And somehow we made it through another podcast without (laughs) live basketball for two and a half months now. Oh man. Hopefully, um, if if all goes to plan, we'll only have to do this for another two months, and then we'll have actual basketball cool. to talk about. I, I'm both terrified of two more months of trying to find content, but also super excited. I'm so ready for – I woke up at like 7, 8 a.m. last weekend to watch Bundesliga soccer just because I miss live sports so much. So I am so ready for more sports to come back. Yeah, I I don't watch the the Bundesliga anymore because uh, Pulisic doesn't play for Dortmund anymore. So, but I get it. I I typically don't watch them, but <laughs> I needed I needed something live sports in my life. I was watching Korean baseball for a while, so I'm fiending for it. I'm glad that it that sports are slowly coming back, and hopefully more and more can start to. Uh, to ramp up and we can get something back to normalcy safely, but hopefully we'll get back to normal soon. It feels good to know that next time I watch a basketball game, Mookie Betts will be in a daughter's uniform. That feels good. I have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even baseball is such a mess right now. I haven't even <laughs> I haven't even thought of that. Uh, and with that, we'll we'll end our show. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, you'll hear from us next week.